Now, today I'm going to go back to a series that I started. Uh, I really started the series back in April, and we went through a, a, a series where uh, a, a few Sundays where we had guest speakers at 11 o'clock. And so while I was working on this at the 8 o'clock, I wasn't able to do it at 11 because that's when the guest speakers were here. So you're getting it uh, a few weeks later, and so I probably would deliver, hopefully deliver the sermon a little bit better now that I've had some time to practice on it. Uh, but uh, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And you guys know we started this discussion on the resurrection back uh, as we were approaching Easter. One, to help us to begin to understand that we, we acknowledge, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, not just one Sunday a month, uh, one Sunday a year rather, but we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every Sunday. That's what the Lord's Supper is about. It is remembering his death, burial, and resurrection. It is remembering the sacrifice that he made for us. And so we do that on a weekly basis. That is a part of our worship gathering. And I need to say, so when we're here, uh, if you are a Christian, we all participate in that. We don't practice passing the communion over to the next person. We don't practice passing the communion over to the next person. Now, I can understand if a guest does that. But for those of us who are Christians, who know that that is a part of our worship. If you're not going to take communion, you might as well stay at home. Amen, somebody out there. And so uh, we have been dissecting uh, chapter 15 uh, into small pieces so that we can understand what's going on here. And so at the very outset of the chapter, uh, Paul defines what the gospel is. He, He defines... Uh, the fact that the message that he has proclaimed uh, was given to him, uh, that it is supported by Scripture. And so it's just not his opinion. Uh, It's just not his personal preferences. And then uh, he helps us to begin to understand that you and I have hope because just as Jesus died and was resurrected, if you and I are faithfully following him, the same thing will happen to us. So you and I don't have to fear death. Uh, We know what's going to happen because we can see what has happened in the life of Jesus. But he also spends some time uh, helping people who don't understand the value of the resurrection to help us to begin to understand if there is no resurrection, then you're still in your sin. Uh, If there is no resurrection, then you and I have no hope. We might as well eat, drink, and party down because tomorrow we're going to die, and that's the end of it. We know because of Jesus' words and because of his declaration that this is uh, death is just a transition that takes us into another form of living where we're going to live eternally. On earth, we do not live eternally. So all of us who are alive right now, all of you looking at me, those who are on the stream, you are going to die one day. The issue is you and I don't know when it's going to be. And since we don't know when it's going to be, it behooves us to live every day like it's our last. Get your affairs in order. And so the resurrection is important to us. And then he helps us to understand just just the role that we ought to be thankful for, simply what Jesus did. Nobody else could do it. And so it gives us confidence. So if you weren't confident of your faith, you weren't confident that you are in the right religion, just look at Jesus and see that he was faithful to the calling of God on his life, even to the point of death. 
but the grave couldn't hold him. And so I don't know about you, but every time we have a funeral service and then we go to the grave and we commit the body to the ground, I am reminded of what happened with Jesus and that he was committed somewhere, but he didn't stay there. And that one day our brother and sister will be resurrected and us also. So, so for death for the Christian is not the end of the story. It's just a pause in the story. But life goes on. Now, Paul writes this information because there were those at the Church of Christ at Corinth who believed in the resurrection of Jesus. They just had problems believing in the resurrection uh, of the general population. And, and so it's just like with many uh, biblical teachings, uh, there are some things that if it makes sense to us, we will believe it. But if it doesn't make sense to us, we just think it's impossible, it can't be. And so we forget the role of faith. So everything you read about in Scripture is not going to make sense to you. You're not going to fully understand it. This is not A, B, C, D. This is not one plus one. There are some biblical truths in here that if you are carnal-minded, you're going to miss. If you're not walking by the Spirit, you're going to miss. And even if you're walking by the Spirit, there's still some stuff every now and then that you just have to scratch your head on. And you got to recognize, I am not going to know the answer to this question until I get to heaven. And I can sit down and talk to the apostles. Now, that's only if you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Will you get a chance to follow up, have some dialogue on some of these issues? In our text this morning, and this is a fifth installment in the series on the resurrection. Uh, so for those of you who want to stay along with me, when I finish all six uh, lessons, ask the media ministry to give you copies of the CD. I, I know some of you cheap and you just want to look at it on, on YouTube and stuff like that. But get you a copy on CD when, when you're riding in your car. And some of you still have cars that have CD players. Then you go back and refresh because this is one of those things that we need to understand clearly uh, and hold our hope with. And so as I've done in each of uh, the prior lessons, there's just some foundational things that I've said. One is that uh, this text is a foundational issue of our faith. If you take the resurrection out of Christianity, there is no Christianity. Because at the heart of Christianity, we believe that there's a Christ who came and lived, who was betrayed by man, crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb. Death couldn't hold him. He got back up, and he ascended back into heaven from which he came. If you take that out of what we say we believe, there's nothing for us to believe. And that's why you and I need to take comfort in the fact that we serve a God that died, yet he was resurrected. Our God is not dead. There are other religious groups that worship a, a, a man or a God that's dead or is of stone, that has no value. We serve a God who's resurrected, who when we pray, he hears us. I, I, hope, I hope you believe Jesus hears you when you pray. Otherwise, there's no reason to pray. Uh, we serve a God who the scripture reminded was and always tempted just like we are. But guess what? Our God didn't sin. Now, come on. Every now and then when you tempted, you sin. I know you got your holy faces on and holy clothes on today, but you can come up and be real. Every now and then you fail the test. 
And we need to be thankful that when that happens, we, we can go to God and ask for forgiveness. Amen. And if we have wholeheartedly repented, repented, he wipes it out as if it never occurred. I, I just like my God because he doesn't hold stuff against me. Amen. He recognizes, yeah, I did some stuff in the past, but he chooses to wipe it out. Amen. See, some of you guys, you got memories like elephants. Uh, you hold on to stuff and you bring it up at the most ungodly opportunities. And don't understand you're being ungodly when you don't have a forgiving heart. That, that's something you would never be able to undo. And they may never have happened the way you want them to, but it happened. That's life. We got to find a way to move on. And with God, you can get to the point of forgiveness. Now, in your own spirit, you can't do that. But in the midst of the Holy Spirit, you can do that. I, I'm thankful that we, have, we serve a God that has power over death. Because in the chapter, it talks about the grave couldn't hold Jesus. He's resurrected. And, and because Jesus has overcome death, the reality is you and I, if you're a faithful follower of Jesus, you need to know you can overcome death also. Death's not going to hold you in the grave. We're we all going to die. And, just, and for the benefit of those who want to get cremated and all that kind of stuff, uh, he can still resurrect your, your ashes. Though you want to be buried at sea, he can, he can find a way to pull that body out of the ocean on resurrection day. So you and I can't escape uh, this. And so while he's addressing Christians here, everybody is going to have an opportunity to meet Jesus again. Some of us, it's going to be a joyous occasion. And others, let's just say it won't be a joyous occasion. But I'm thankful that we serve a God who has power over death. We serve a God that is timeless. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never out of style. He's never out of fashion. He's never not on the throne. He is our Lord. So every day that you and I wake up and live, Jesus is still in control of our lives. And as soon as we start understanding that, then it becomes very easy for us to bring our lifestyle, our behavior in line with him. So he, he's not limited uh, to holidays. So we don't just think about Jesus on Easter or on Christmas. And, and, and one of the things I said in the past is that notice that those two holidays, every now and then they fall on, Easter's always on Sunday, but Christmas always falls, uh, Easter always falls on the, on the Sunday. Christmas, every few years, falls on the Sunday. And you guys know the struggle we go through every time Christmas falls on the Sunday. We struggle to determine, am I going to celebrate Christmas? Or am I going to come out to worship? I'm going to pause here. I know some of you get amnesia. But every three or four years when, Easter, when Christmas falls on a Sunday, it is, well, you know, I'm a, we're going to open up our Christmas gifts on Sunday. And, and we'll maybe come to evening worship. You need to honor the Lord every Sunday. Amen. And the holiday gets dealt with late on. Amen. But priority on any Sunday yeah. is meeting the Lord in worship. Amen. And I need for parents to help you to understand you need to instill that to your children also. So they understand, just because it's a holiday, uh, Sunday, we're not, we're not skipping worship. 
we're not even skipping Bible class. Mm-hmm. I said something there, because uh, why you'll be conscientious about coming to worship, you're not conscientious about coming to Bible class, because you feel, well, I can, ex- I can miss that. See, part of the reason we, we have all the issues we have in our lives is because we don't know the Word of God, and we're not submitting to it so that when trouble comes along, when problems come along, when issues happen that don't make sense to me, I, I don't have anything in me to guide my footsteps. And consequently, you start making your own decisions. Now, I pray to God that one day we'll grow up to the fact we own our mess when we create it. And stop blaming other folk. And stop blaming God. You're in the mess you're in because you chose to go a certain way and violate what our timeless God has said. And again, so he's not limited to holidays and he's not limited by commercialism. So don't, don't, don't spend the Lord's money on Christmas gifts and Easter baskets, and Easter outfits, and, and, and the, uh, the eggs that you guys like to hunt for and all that kind of stuff. He's bigger than those things. So as we dive into this section of the lesson on the resurrection, uh, Paul starts off by answering some questions that he perceives some of the, uh, the resurrection deniers in the congregation will be throwing out. And so we start to read in verse number 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? So, so the, the issue is, how are the dead raised? And, and the person, they ask this question from the standpoint that it's impossible. So if you don't know the word of God, you start putting limitations on God. If you understand the word of God, you know God is not limited by nothing. We are limited. Our understanding is limited, but God is all-powerful. And, and, and so the, God resurrecting the whole world is not impossible. Didn't he create it? And, and so the question is, how can he reassemble all the bodies of people who died, those who died natural causes, those who uh, were killed in a bomb, or those who, you know, people in an airplane, you know, when an airplane uh, rose up or crashes, there's not a whole lot left of the people on there. I say that for those who like to fly. Just, just, I, I know you know that, but I just want you to be aware of that. Uh, and so we need to understand that the creator can do whatever he wants to do. He created all of us, and he created us all differently. Just look around, and you look at how we look. Some of you jet black, and some of you are lighter complexion. Uh, some of you got a few pounds overweight on you, and, and others you skin and bones. Uh, some of you midgets, and, and some of you, uh, like Alex, is a basketball player. You, you got that height. Uh, you remind me of that guy that was just drafted. What is his name? One, one Bobby or whatever. I know you know who he is. Uh, yeah, one Bayama. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but God made even, even him. And you began to see just a variety in God's creation. And so if he has the power to create all people all of different sizes and shapes and colors, don't you think he has the power to pull all these bodies up out of the ground if, if, he, if he chose to? And, and so the question becomes, okay, what body will they have? And, and I need for us to understand that our resurrection bodies will be similar to our earthly bodies, not totally like them. 
And, and so you, in order to understand this, again, you got, you got to have some familiarity with the scriptures. Our earthly bodies were made for us to live on earth. This body is impacted by gravity and a whole bunch of other kind of things here on earth. The spiritual body that we get at the point of resurrection won't have those kinds of limitations. And you'll see as I work my way through the sermon, we're going to look at uh, some things that happened in the life of Jesus after he was resurrected. And you'll see that he, he did some things after he was resurrected that he didn't do prior to that. So Paul says in verse number 36, Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. And so Paul starts off by saying, really, you fool. He's talking to the person at Corinth who does not understand the resurrection or who has doubts about it. He says, you lack some understanding. And his whole purpose in sharing this chapter is to give people understanding. And I'm sure there are some people in our audience today who wonder, why are we talking about the resurrection? Uh, you know why we're talking about it? Because as a child of God, we need to understand how important it is to our faith. Mm -hmm. And we need to understand that if we are faithful, we live faithful in Christ, the grave does not end our existence. It, it's a, it puts a pause on it. But, 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 but you're going to get back up again uh, to be raised to a new life, a different life. But, but that's future. And, and so he gives the illustration of a, a, of a seed that's planted in the ground. Some of you, some of you, uh, you, you planted um, flowers or you planted uh, crops and stuff like that. And you recognize that this, this seed that goes in the ground looks nothing like the plant that ultimately it's going to become. And so you, you visually understand that the transformation goes on, but we don't always think about it on a practical level. So a seed that goes in the ground has to die first before it can give life. There is a difference in what you put in the ground and what finally comes up. So I'm sure some of you do your, your uh, what is it, bucket gardening and all that kind of stuff. Not where you dig stuff up in the backyard, but you have these planters uh, I'm talking to the wrong people. Okay, but okay, if I was back in Texas, I'd find some people who do that kind of stuff. So ultimately, the seed becomes a mature plant. It's, a, it's the same thing in a different form. So when Jesus was raised, his body was different. And, and I use that as an illustration, Luke chapter 24. So turn with me to Luke chapter 24 real quick. Luke 24. And we'll look at a few verses. Luke chapter 24, verse number 15, 31, and 36. Luke 24, 15. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not see him. Verse number 31. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Verse number 36. Now as, they, now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be to you. So, so what Luke tells us in the 24th chapter is that Jesus just appeared. 
He just appeared out of nowhere. And the people did not initially recognize him. Remember, he has a different body. Now, this is after he's been resurrected from the grave. Okay, in, in John chapter 20, uh, Jesus appears to the disciples uh, while they are locked away. So if you read John chapter 20, you'll see in a couple of places there where the doors were shut. Jesus just appears. And on one of the occasions, he appears to the disciples, and Thomas is not there. And, and the disciples later say, uh, share with Thomas that Jesus was there, and he says, I'm not going to believe unless I touch it. So in order to help Thomas, Jesus appears again. And now says to Thomas, touch me. And in both cases, it will point out that the door was shut. The door was locked. How did he get in there? This physical body, you can't walk through no door. Anybody try to walk through a door that's closed and locked? You can get a headache. But in his resurrected body, he was able to transcend, moving from one place to another without going through a door, without going out of an open door. And so that helps you to begin to see the difference in his body. And by implication, it helps us to begin to understand some things about what our spiritual body may very well be. And so he gives us, a, again, a picture of a seed dying, and he reminds us of what it becomes. The seed changes, but continues as the same life form. So wheat does not become corn. Corn does not become barley. So if you plant wheat, and corn, guess what's going to pop up? The mature wheat uh, stalk or the mature corn stalk. But it's consistent with what went in the ground. Manifestation is different. The seed went in the ground, but it matures in the process. God gives each seed his own body. Thus, our bodies will die, but they're going to change. I'm going to let that soak in. Because we need to recognize if he can do it with plants and all that kind of stuff, he can do it with human beings. And, and this is one of those lessons where while it may not make sense to you, you got to trust that the word of God is right and is truthful. And the more we study it and begin to understand how God operates and how God works, it starts making more sense to us. Verses 39 through 42. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh for, of men, another kind of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. And so all that Paul is saying here is that there's a difference in the various creations that God has. A human being, a fish, a dog are not the same. Contrary to what you may see in some of the horror movies and stuff like that. Uh, they, they, they're all different. But they were all created by God. And God deals with each flesh different. So, men are not the same as animals. Men are not the same as fish. Men are not the same as birds. 
He talks about celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. Uh, there are bodies when you look up in the sky. The sun and moon is much different than anything you can find on earth. But they have a place. And they have their glory as they function as God created them. The mountains that are on the earth, the trees that are on the earth, or whatever structures you look at, God is responsible for creating them in whatever form they're in. And it's, it's just a tribute to just the awesomeness of our God. Truly, when we sing that song, my God is awesome, I know some of you just calling words, but, if, but as you get to know God, you really begin to understand he's awesome. You can't characterize him. You can't define him. He's just awesome, all-inspiring. And because of that, we need to learn how to serve him and trust him. And so I keep reminding us, uh, when, when we get bad health diagnosis, keep on trusting God. Keep on trusting. You're going to die anyways. You know that, right? You know you're going to die before you go to get the health diagnosis. So for some people, getting a bad health diagnosis helps them to finally start to learn how to live. Because all that foolishness you were doing, you cut that out when you know your time is short. Maybe God ought to remind some of us, you're on death row. Verses 42 through 44, he tells us four things that we need to know about our resurrection bodies. And one of those things is this present body that you and I are housed in is going to die. One day, our heart's going to stop functioning. Blood's going to stop circulating uh, in our bodies. We're going to stop breathing. And we're going to lie motionless as if we were asleep. And we're going to be dead. So, so everybody needs to understand that. So when it happens, don't fall apart. When it's your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brother, or your child, or a cousin, somebody like that, it's going to happen. You know, one of the things God does every now and then is he gives some of us time to prepare for that. And so you need to start seeing when people are sick for a long period of time, one of the things that does is prepare you for what's ultimately going to happen. It's one thing for somebody to die after being sick for five months. It's a whole other thing for you to see them today, and then before the night is over, you find out they're dead. You're in shock. And it's going to take you some time just to deal with the shock. But our bodies are going to die. But one of the things that we learn is that our new body is not going to die. This body will come to an end. The new body won't. Our present body dishonors God. You know why it dishonors God? Because it's sinful. We, we, we're prone to sin in this body. On your best day, after you said your prayers, you will still go out and do some stuff you shouldn't do. But it contrasts contrast that by saying, but the new body, the resurrection body that we get, will be perfectly pleasing to him. Our present body is fragile. It's weak. How many of you tired already? And it's, it's, it's barely noon. Come on, at this present body, you get tired. Even when you want to do uh, some things, uh, your body starts telling you, uh, you just need to, you need to sit down, you need to rest. Uh, this present body every now and then gets hungry, and some of you, when you get hungry, you just lose your mind until you find something to eat. 
So this body is fragile. It gets tired. It breaks down. Resurrection body won't experience any of that kind of thing. It never tires out. And so we can serve God eternally in that body. Our present body is limited to planet Earth. Our new body will be equipped to live in heaven forever. So sometimes when you when you, you have dealing with your arthritis and your high cholesterol and all these other kind of things, Christians remember that's gonna come a time. No more high blood pressure pills. No more of being on a strict diet that you don't want to be on, but but you know you're gonna have to see your doctor in a month or so, so you start eating. You, you guys know how you do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, when you get out of the doctor's office, you just go hog wild, eat whatever you want. But uh, when you know you're a few weeks away, now you start maintain that diet because you want your test results to come out. I got news for you to understand. Your test results reflect more than a week or two. <laughs> so all that bad eating you've been doing for the last month, it's going to show, up, show off on you. But I understand. Uh, but we need to recognize that this present body is limited in so many ways. That's why illnesses, when they come, uh, people get uh, homebound, bedridden, and things like that. That's limitations. Those restrictions are not going to be on us with our resurrection, resurrected bodies. Verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as it is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly father. And so when he talks about the first man, we, we, we know he's talking about Adam. Adam was made to live on earth in the garden. That's what he's made to do. The last Adam that he talks about is Jesus. He came from heaven, but he also returned back to heaven. Every human being starts out with a natural body. We come out of the womb with a body that's subject to all of the weaknesses that I just talked about. That's why some babies die. That's why some children are born with various illnesses and afflictions, and you know they haven't lived a day yet, but they have all these issues. This this body is prone to that. We live in a sin cursed world, so there are always going to be some issues that are going to come as long as we're bound on earth. That's why we like to talk about heaven being a place, no, no illnesses, no medicine, no doctors, no dentists, you know, none of those services that you got to have here on earth. We're free from all that. And, and that's why uh, it is comforting when people are at the point of dying and they say they're ready. I'm amazed at how they can be ready and the people around them say, no, 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 we want you to stay around alone. The person's suffering and you being selfish. That person has already made their peace with God. You need to be making your peace with God. 
And you need to hope when it's your time, and if you live to be in that situation, you can have the same kind of connection with God where you say, I'm ready. So again, all of us start out with a natural body that's subject to all of the issues that uh, our weak and frail bodies uh, deal with. But one of the things that we need to recognize is one day, one day, just like Jesus has ascended back to heaven, that's where we're going to be. And we're going to have the kind of spiritual bodies that's not limited to all of the issues that we have to deal with. Some of you who don't like to age, <laughs> you won't have to worry about aging in heaven. Okay. You don't, uh, some of you who like to keep your hair a certain color, even though you're aging, <laughs> you won't have to worry about that in heaven. Uh, those of you who don't want to like to use a walker or a walking stick or all that kind of stuff, you can kick that thing out of the way once you get to heaven. You should not go need that kind of stuff there. And for those of us who are limited by those things on earth, while you're not rushing death, you need to recognize there's a certain level of liberation, freedom that comes with getting out of this, this body that we're in. And so if we start understanding that, then we don't look at death like other people look at it, uh, like it's something to be dreaded or whatever. Follow Jesus. And dying is like going to sleep. But you're resting in the arms of a faithful God who will take care of you. And so as I conclude, let me, let me offer these suggestions. I think Paul has helped the Corinthians to understand and has helped us to understand that our resurrection bodies will be vastly different from this body on earth. Uh, those of you who like to go to the gym and pump iron and uh, get on the treadmill and stuff like that, there's no goals in heaven, uh, planet fitness in heaven. Sister Rosalie, where did you go? Where did you go? YMCA, where did you go? Wherever it is you go, you're not going to find any of that in heaven. You know why you're not going to find it? Because you don't need it. You don't need it. We need those things on earth to help us to stay in physical fitness. But the reality is it just slows down the process. You can have a heart attack on the treadmill. You do know there are some folk who died trying to stay healthy. You can starve yourself on all these, all these diets that you read about all the time, and you still find yourself dying. Just thought I'd throw that out there. But it doesn't mean, don't use moderation. Our resurrected bodies will be perfect. They'll be perfect. Not subject to any of the frailties that we have. Some of you talk about uh, you got a bad memory. That may be the case on earth, but you're going to be on time in heaven. There's nobody that's going to remind you of anything. You won't need an alarm clock or to take whatever it is you take, legal or otherwise. The resurrection is the hope and motivation for the church. 
when you understand there's a better place to live in, we don't have a problem with serving God on earth. We don't have a problem with undergoing the sacrifices that we go through on earth because we know it's for a greater cause. And so knowing that I'm going to be at a place where my life will be vastly different allows me to deal with the inconveniences that I have now. So you got to work on earth. Otherwise, you're going to be homeless. There's no punching a clock in heaven. And the things that we're going to do in heaven will be things Christians love to do. So let me just let you in on, if you don't love gathering to worship God, you're going to find it hard to be in heaven. Okay, let me step back. You're not going to heaven. Let me just be real clear on it. And so that's why you need to get your attitude right now. Fall in line with what God said now because this is what happens in heaven. We serve God. And we serve him completely in heaven. So none of these distractions that we have on earth. And I think some of us get caught up and we love our distractions. We're comfortable with serving God only on Sunday. Oh, no, in heaven you serve them every day. So if you've got problems being holy uh, for a few weeks, heaven is not the place for you. No corruption is going to heaven. And again, it provides motivation. So, so sometimes when you're being criticized for your faith, uh, when family members uh, uh, ridicule you because you go to church service on Sunday and they stay at home, or when classmates or, or friends that you have been trying to share the gospel with reject you uh, and, and call you all kinds of names, recognize there's a better day coming. So, so don't let their discouragement cause you to miss your eternal blessing. And too many times we fall under the pressure of uh, wanting, wanting something so badly for other people that when they don't reach out for it, then we lose our perspective. I'm not going to let any of you cause me to miss heaven. I'll block your phone call if I need to. I won't return your text messages or emails if I need to. Uh, because some of you need to do that because you let people upset you, irritate you, and cause you to curse God. And when you're going to learn, uh, stop dealing with them folk. Especially them kind of folk that mess you up on Sunday. Anybody ever came to worship on Sunday and your mind is all messed up because some argument you had with crazy folk in the car or folk in the house didn't want to get it together? We, we need to learn that one of, the, one of the freedoms of heaven is you won't have to deal with some of these folk on earth. You know why? Because they're not going to make it to heaven. And then when it comes to the resurrection, we, we, we don't have to understand it all now. But we do have to trust Jesus. We, we have to believe it. Because it, it's in his word. And he says it to give us guidance and direction. He says it to give us some hope. And we live in a world where people need hope. Uh, when you turn on the TV and you're watching the news, there's just a lot of stuff there that's depressing, that does not offer hope. Uh, sometimes when you talk to people, uh, you know, their conversations are whack and crazy. Uh, there's no hope there. Uh, sometimes even when you're trying to talk to your spouse or your children about things and whatnot, and you're serious and they want to play around, uh, 
But you need to be somewhere where you can have some hope. And, and, and I would suggest to you, open up the book. Open up the scriptures more often than what we do. Uh, not just when we have problems, but make reading and studying scripture just a part of your life. And see if your attitude won't be different. See if your outlook won't be different. And see if you won't have more and more hope. As you begin to see how God surrounded other people and he stayed with them through all kinds of trouble and trial and tribulations. And then just look at the fact you haven't gone through half of what them folk did with. But you're still here. And you know why you're still here? Because God. You're still here because his favor is on you. And you're still here because he has work yet for you to do. Now, if you don't understand, when, when, when God has gotten all the work out of you that he knows he's going to get, you're going to die then. So you're still here because there's work God has for you. There's ministry that he has for you to do. Now, you can keep on rebelling and not doing it. He's going to say, okay, this person's not going to do right. It's time for them to go. But we all love God enough that we want to spend our time on earth in these weak, frail bodies with serving him and recognize as we do that, uh, you know, I, I'm always amazed at people who serve God in spite of their pain, in spite of their illnesses, and in spite of their limitations. They find a way to get involved in ministry and, and building other people versus that group who used it as an excuse, who don't understand God's still good to you. You may be in the hospital in intensive care. God's still good to you. You may not have a car and you're walking everywhere you got to go or you're riding a bus. God's still good to you. You may not be making six or seven figures on your job, but at least you got a job. You may be single and you're looking for Mr. and Ms. Wright, but enjoy God right now and recognize you have some freedom and really some happiness uh, that you might find you won't have once you say, I do. Trust God. That's, that's all I'm saying. Just, just trust him. Just trust him. Just trust him. Just trust him. Some of you will get that later uh, when we have the, the fellowship time. We can face today and tomorrow because of the hope that we have for our eternal destination. And it ought to make us hold out, not quit. It ought to propel us to hold out to the end and trust God for the rest knowing just how good and sweet he has been. And that's just a down payment on things yet to come. This day, if you have a statement, you have a prayer request, you have a confession that you need to make, we're going to give you the opportunity to respond shortly. Uh, if you have filled out the response card and you have not submitted that, uh, please go ahead and, and raise your hand and one of the ushers will come and get the card. Uh, if you're writing it out now, go ahead and, and write, write that out and get it to the usher. Uh, so that we can uh, we could assist your prayer request. Now I'm going to say this. So we're, we're starting to get a lot of people who wait till the last moment to send in your written prayer requests. Uh, I'm saying it publicly so you understand. Moving forward, if we get them late, then we'll read them at the next service. We're not going to have brothers up here trying to figure out your handwriting when the spotlight is on them and they need to be able to say whatever it is the card says. So work with us, work with them, and we'll work with you guys. Can we, can we have that agreement? And then don't get no attitude uh, if your card gets in late.
uh, because many of us, your prayer request has nothing to do with the sermon. So you could have written that out when you came in the door and turned that in, and, and, and we'd be ready for it. We sing about heaven all the time. How many are ready to go? I, I can raise my hand. That, that's a disappointing number. So that says you'd rather stay here on earth and complain, complain, and deal with problems and illnesses. Okay, I understand you got to grow in your faith. Yes. I didn't say who's ready to die. I said, who, who ready to go to heaven? And me, uh, okay. Well, me and God, that, that's all that matters. But as you live, you begin to look more and more toward heaven. That doesn't mean you're going to end your life so you can rush there. But you just, you just begin to understand. Real peace, ultimate peace, is there. Real joy is ultimately there. This stuff here is just temporary. If you have a response, we're going to give you the opportunity to do, 